Today, um, I've invited Elaine Flynn. It's weird calling you Flynn because <laughs> really I know you as Richardson. Yes. Um, you need to put the microphone a little closer to you, Elaine. Okay. But um, one of the reasons is, one of the topics that we haven't covered in Women Rising is fibromyalgia. And it's a disease that Elaine um, lives with um, and has to, you know, she has her family and her and, and her, her work. So I want to know um, how badly it's in, in, affected her, her family and, and, and everything about it. Because more and more people are suffering with this um, silent illness. No, they call it yes, a little it's, bit. It's known as, well, people that are aware of it um, see it as an invisible illness. Unfortunately, with um, fibromyalgia, it's something that you can't see physically as such. And also another thing as well is that it's really difficult to diagnose. There's not a blood test that you can say, you've got this. Um, so how do you, how do you discover... It was purely by accident in a way. Um, I noticed that after having my first daughter, Claudia, she is now 13 years old. Mm -hmm. um, she was basically born five weeks premature and thankfully everything went well and she was really okay. It was a very good um, C-section. But what I did notice is that I was thankful that I recovered really well because the surgery went brilliantly. However, later on, um, post um giving births as such um i noticed that i had a lot of aches and pains and i went to the doctors and they say look it could be your type 2 diabetes it could uh, you're you're a diabetic I'm as well diabetic as but well that was type before. That yes yeah, all, yeah yeah totally yeah. yeah um because i had polycystic ovaries as well so it's just a, um, a mixture of all sorts of things but the these symptoms started coming around whereas um I would get, suddenly I started getting clumsy and I've never been clumsy. I've always been quite sporty. I've had very good coordination. Hmm. Um, I've been quite active and, and stuff, but I noticed that I started, for example, dropping things and things like if I was walking in the corridor, there were times that I was finding that I was putting my hand on the corridor to guide me. And I put it down to, I was a first time mum. I was exhausted, I'm tired, I was dealing with recovering from a C-section and so on. But then I noticed that I started getting body aches and more headaches than normal and such like. And, and, such like. and what I did was, I it was a process of an elimination. Could it be the diabetes? No, my blood sugars are fine. Could it be um, the fact that I'm recovering from having a baby? It wasn't because it was now quite a long period of time and so on. And mm. I was finding that I was taking paracetamol constantly. All the time. All the time, just to alleviate that little bit of dull pain. And it felt like when you have the flu yeah. and your body is aching yeah. because everything hurts. But with, with fibromyalgia in me, for example, because it, it's something that affects people differently. Okay. Um it was affecting my shoulders and my neck and then it would affect my legs and my elbows and my muscles and then it would be something else or it could be an all-around pain and for me it came in waves mm. um i could be sat down doing something and then suddenly it's as if somebody had beaten me up wow that bad um the thing is i truly believe that i have a very high pain threshold yeah um you know, we're women. Yes. We we deal with period pains. Yes. We deal with hormone levels. Yes. We deal giving with birth. giving birth. <laughs> we deal yes. with all sorts of things. And 
we just suck it up and get on with it. Yes, we do. And it's in our nature, I think, as women in general, yeah. that we just plod on. Because yeah. we do. We just get on with it. Um, but I was noticing that something wasn't quite right. Um, so I just carried on. It just, this is what it was, and that was it. And I tried going to the doctors, and the doctors kept saying, look, you've just got over having a baby, you, you know, it's your body getting mm. used to, you know, adapting back to normality, shall we say. You are tired. Um, it could be the diabetes with your legs and mm. so on and so forth. So I just took it on board as that and just put up with it. And this was 13 years ago. This is 13 so years ago. nobody knew about fibromyalgia then? They did, actually, because um, a dear friend of mine who I used to work with, Mercy Bosso, which I'm oh, sure yes. everybody knows, yes. lovely lady, um... I hope you don't mind me saying this, Mercy, but she has strong links with people who suffer she with does. fibromyalgia. She does. And I've always known that, but I never really put two and two together. Interesting. And it wasn't really until I had Sophia yeah. two years later that my symptoms were even stronger. Um, it was even more heightened, shall mm. we say. Um, I really didn't know what was going on. I thought I was becoming a hypochondriac. How worrying for you and um, for your fa family. Well, for my family, because I mean, my, my, your husband, my husband, family. bless him, has been so supportive. Mm. He has been a rock, to be honest. And even my girls know of my condition. Mm. Um, they have known from a little, from a very little, um, hey. from a very young age that mommy isn't always well. At the time, my symptoms were very, very strong. Yeah. Um, this was before I got diagnosed. And when what I... Do, sorry to interrupt. What no. is the age gap between Sof Sophia? Sophia and Claudia is two years and five months. Okay. So, so I was, I was still, living with this yes. undiagnosed for two years and five months. And it wasn't until I went to my acupuncturist, Jim, who is no longer um, practicing um, acupuncture anymore... I had a checkup with him because I was going to see him about fertility, about getting my system all sorted so that in preparation for um, having children, because I had polycystic ovaries. And he mentioned something to me. He goes, Elaine, I am not a doctor. Do not quote me on this, but I noticed that you might need to have a look at some sort of chronic illness. He didn't want to say any more because obviously his hands are tied because he's not a doctor. And he made that very, very clear. And maybe he didn't want to worry you. He didn't want to worry me either. But he says, look, seeing that you're having constant checkups with your diabetes anyway, why don't you go and see if you can have a check for something else? And I go, okay, check for ME, MS, um, something like that. But he didn't want to, he wasn't diagnosing me. He was just giving me like a prompt, so to speak. Mm. So put that one aside, carried on, had Sophia. Totally different story in having Sophia in the C-section. Uh, my recovery was awful. My, um, had complications and so on, but anything. Anyway, everything worked out all well, but my symptoms still carried on and they were getting worse. Um, to the point that I started going to the doctors, the doctor, my regular doctor said, look, Elaine, it's just, it's a second baby. Um, you have to, we have to be patient in recovering because this is now your second C-section. So, yeah, that happens a lot. Everything, everything was saying, and, oh, you will recover. Yes. And I was saying, look, I am taking paracetamol 
if not ibuprofen around the all clubs, the time oh, yeah. and this is this is not good for my system i hate taking them um which is why i start i've always gone to reflexology and acupuncture and alternative treatments complementary therapies because i really believe that they are good for you yeah and it's a better alternative than taking pharmaceutical medication constantly um and it wasn't until i was able to get an emergency appointment with a doctor from the gha and i basically sat down and i said look am i going crazy or what they got i am pill popping which is what it felt like thankfully it was only predominantly paracetamol mm. but i said look i'm a teacher with a post i am a full-time mum to two little ones i am working full-time i i don't have a supportive network as such because mm. it's just my dad the only yes. family i have yes he can only do so much he is now getting on a bit at bovre um so i want to know what's going on and she said right okay i explained all my symptoms and it was just a long list and i i honestly admitted to the doctor says look i don't want to think i'm a hypochondriac because this is this is what how i feel and i was very low at that point because I didn't know whether I was coming or going. Mm. And we did tests and she ruled loads of things out. We ruled out lupus, ME, MS, cancer. We ruled out rheumatoid arthritis. My blood works came back. They were absolutely normal. Gosh. They checked inflammation as well in my body, absolutely fine. I even had an MRI in my brain. as well because mm. they wanted to see just in case because oh, it was just insane everything was clear but what they did see was a few little specks and those oh, specks specks were in your brain in my brain but basically because this doctor had studied with patients with fibromyalgia she noticed she recognized research mm. that fibromyalgia patients have these little specks How so it interesting that plus all the symptoms that i had Yeah. She was able to put it together and she finally diagnosed me with fibromyalgia. Now, to be honest, when I heard that, I was relieved. Yes, of course. I actually cried. Yes. Is Elaine, why are you crying? And I go because you are the one person yeah. that has listened, has taken things on board, and thankfully I am not crazy. Yes. <laughs> Gosh. Because so you know, I get it from my husband. Oh, you're late. Again, you're taking um paracetamol because you know you don't stop. You know, that kind of thing. And I'm thinking, but I'm in pain. Yeah. Um so she diagnoses fibromyalgia. Yeah, she did. So then you go and look it up. You go home. Obviously, and you I look it up. Home. I start looking it up. <laughs> and then one of the first people I went to talk to was Mercy. Mercy yes. Bosso, because she had a lot of background yes. knowledge and experience in this field. Mm. And we cr- I cried. Obviously, she was relieved in a sense because she knew that I finally had a diagnosis and it wasn't something that could be worse. Um does it get worse? It can do. There was a there was a time when I first got diagnosed that Andrew and I were thinking of an alternative job for me. Mm, than teaching. Than teaching. Yeah. I love teaching. It's yeah. my passion. Yeah. Um I can't see myself as doing anything else as part apart from maybe doing art full time. But teaching is hard on your body. The it, standing it, for it long. It is. It's hours. not just the standing. I mean, I teach in early years, so I'm 
I spend a lot of the time on the floor, mm. crouched down, standing up, sitting. I still do that. Um, there are times, there are days that it hits you like a ton of bricks and I have to put on the brakes. It's just too much. Um, yeah. But I, but I get through, I... I just get on with it. How do you get through day by day? So, so since the discovery that it was fibromyalgia, well, what do you what what are the what are the, the the first thing I got was you don't need any stress. You need to um, you need to have an outlet in terms of um, relaxation and stop for a bit, take breaks. And I'm thinking. My lifestyle is very difficult to do that, especially in this day and age. We don't stop. Yeah. Um, mom of two yeah, girls. Yeah, mom of two little ones. I had a new Full-time job. And I had a new yes. one and I had a toddler and I had a full-time job as well. Um, yeah. The house. <laughs> yeah. Everything. Life. Um, but there, there, at the very beginning, it was quite dark in a sense because um, I was going downhill quite quickly. Um I was finding that I was spending more time in bed. I would be absolutely exhausted after a day at school. Um, I would do my job and I'd do it the best I can. So you perform and you're all mm. out for these kids. You get yeah, home you're, and you're absolutely yeah, exhausted. Yeah, of course, because your, your, your adrenaline is going, going, going until yes. suddenly you stop. Yeah, absolutely. Boom. And um, But then when you get home, you've got your two little ones yes, and you want to spend time with them and stuff. And so things. what I found was is that the weekends I will spend in bed all day. Gosh. Um, there were times, I mean, I remember at the very beginning, I think the most I had was over a week in bed stuck in bed no i was just about able to make it to the toilet our old house used to have two steps to go down to the kitchen i couldn't do that um there were times that i've crawled up the stairs to get to my flat when the pain has been that bad um the thing is as well with pain is that you get prescribed very strong medication being a teacher i don't take medication <laughs> i can't um not only that, but also there is a risk of dependency on yeah, yeah. these on yeah. this medication. Yeah. And I don't like the idea of that. And also the damage that it yeah, does inside. in your system. So how do you how do you manage it? How do I manage? What do you do? Positive thinking. Yeah. I have I make time for reflection. I have to. What do you mean for reflection? Reflection. Um just to think. Just to think. And there are times that I, I don't get much time to do it, but there are times that I might have five minutes and I might think, right, okay, let's do this. Is that meditation? Like yes. a bit of meditation? It is a bit of meditation. I mean, I, I do my breathing exercises in mm. the morning. I do now make a point, even though work at school is hectic, of taking five minutes and just saying, right, stop, Elaine, you have to stop and you have to breathe. Mm. And I do a little bit of breathing. I ground myself and then you get on. Um, I'm usually quite a positive person. Mm. Just get on with it. You, you, you know, this is it is what it is. But when, um, yeah, but when you're in pain, pain, you have to just stop. There are times that I could be sitting down, and I could be delivering a lesson in school, and then it feels like somebody has just hit me, has beaten me up, basically from with a baseball bat. Basically. Just like that. It comes in a huge, sometimes it feels like it's a huge wave that comes and it feels really heavy. 
Mm. Um, and then it's on pain. Um, one of the, um, I had a flare up a, f- a few weeks ago and my hands stopped working. My, my hands got that sore that I, I couldn't function my hands. It was, um, see, I couldn't write. I, I could hold up my laptop, sh- my, my iPad, shall we say, but it was exceptionally heavy on me. My muscles were on fire, basically. It just excruciating pain. But, and there's nothing I, I, I can do. do. I just get on with it. I sort of go, right, okay, I'm in pain now. Right, okay, let's move forward and let's so get on. So take the Panadol or not? Um, then what I do is I take a, a Nurofen. Okay. I take one. Because that relaxes my muscles. And just relaxes my muscles a little bit and it kicks in within half an hour. So that will give me the little, the edge that I need to, to plod on. Mm. Now, there are times where, and people have seen me, at the, especially at the very beginning, I'm walking like an old woman. Mm. And my shoulders are all hunched up. I'm holding myself the way I am. I'm walking very slowly. And my face has dropped. It's... Yeah, because you're in, in pain. Because you're in pain. In pain. And unfortunately, with things like that, I've had people... Oh, um, yeah, but people can be... You should never let it get to you. Oh, no, I know you shouldn't, but... I'm sure you don't, because if you've learned how now. to rise above it... Not now. And now I've risen above it. One in six employees are fighting an invisible illness. The Bassadoni Automotive Group is committed to providing a healthy working environment and improving the quality of working lives for all our people. Obtaining Investors in People Silver accreditation, we invest in the well-being by helping to maintain healthy and supported teams. We believe it's our people who drive the successes. So our well-being strategy aims to support our core values and the recognition that our colleagues are its greatest asset. Bassadoni Automotive Group, part of the community, at the heart of the community. So have you had, somebody's obviously shown you all these different alternative therapies that mm. you can do, not to, to see, improve. See, see. What, what are the things that really improve it, your symptoms? Um, well, one thing that has really helped, and I think it's helped me anyway with my diabetes as well, is I don't usually eat dairy. And if yeah. I do, I eat very little. I try, I try and cut out carbs as much as possible. Don't get me wrong. I still have rice on occasion and pasta and so on, but nothing to the extent that I used to have before. Before, I would be quite happily at lunchtime, have a big roll and and eat that. But obviously with the diabetes, you can't. Yeah. But I've sort of really tweaked my diet in certain foods that I still enjoy and are still healthy. So, um, for example, last night I made pasta bolognese and I had a tiny tiny portion of pasta bolognese that was it um i still allow myself to eat those things but i definitely stay clear from a spartan oh yeah a sweetener no sweetener which is found in practically everything yes diet coke and all those things all the diet drinks have it even the light yogurts and Mm. stuff like that is a sweetener so all these products have them so i really cut back on that 
Another thing that really helped me, unfortunately, I can't, I, I can't go anymore, is I went to oxygen therapy. Oh here yes, in Gibraltar. but you've got to pay for that, no? At the time, I didn't, ah. because it was a charity at the time. Okay. So, I was one of the very lucky ones, um, and this is going back when my. Oh my gosh, when Claudia was in preschool, so she must have been about three years old. And I was going there for about a good three years, and that really helped me. Um, obviously, it was getting good oxygen inside me, so I was healing better. Yeah. Um, and it did me good because it was time for me to switch off as well. And thankfully, the Department of Education were brilliant, and they allowed me to go to these sessions. Um, well, it was helping you. It was helping me. And they were very understanding as well. Yeah. The department were very good in the sense that because they heard that I had been diagnosed, the, excuse me, the education advisors at the yeah. time were very supportive in the sense that, look, we're here to help. Mm. If you need the oxygen therapy, then, you know, we... We want you we, to we go. We support you yes, in course, doing that. Yes, of course. But, um, and then I was lucky enough that I was able to do it after school, so then it wouldn't affect, you know, teaching life and so on. You're not lo no longer having no, it? No, 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 no. I stopped over, my goodness, seven years ago at least. Okay. Because the time. girls were getting bigger, outdoor yes. activities, and so on and so forth. Um, so you didn't need it so much, maybe? It wasn't that I didn't need it so much, but I think that I was, I had a better head for it. Right. And my mindset was different. And that's really helped you, no? I, I think I think the mindset really does help. Don't get me yeah. wrong. I get my bad days. Yeah. But I think having a positive outlook and yeah. a positive mindset, I think, really does help. You're, it's amazing. It's amazing. I'm so glad you've come to <laughs> tell us because other people might be suffering with it, Elaine. And this is the they thing. Are. When 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 I heard, you know, that you had this, I, I immediately thought I know somebody else who mm -hmm. has it. And actually there's probably many more yeah, people yeah, who yeah. are undiagnosed. Mm -hmm. So at least if, if somebody here, one Absolutely, person hears totally. your story, then so tell me what your day to day is like now, because I know My, you've been sewing something. Yes, I have. Hundreds and thousands of things. Well, hundreds, hundreds. What are they? Um, to be honest, the reason why all of this started is because because I was ill so much and not feeling well. The only outlet that I could really do was art. And you know that I'm very arty. You are. So um, I've made scrapbooks. I make illustrations. I've made illustrations for my daughters. Um, I've done a few craft stores and stuff like that. And I've always liked getting... I, I love doing things. I, I, I like being creative. I can't sit in front of the television and watch a movie. I need to be doing something. And this summer, I came across a lady who started this movement in Tasmania, and it's called the 1000 Hearts Community. And basically, this started off um, in Tasmania with this lady. Um, she had personal experience, and she, she thought that the world did not have enough kindness. Gosh. Um, so she decided that she wanted to do something to that will spread kindness and also create a community, which is exactly what she did because this has gone insane in, in Tasmania and it's spread across New Zealand and Australia. And how did you meet her? Well, I the thing is I came across it because I've got Facebook, obviously a lot of people have got um, social media, and it just came up on one of my feeds. Oh, I see on your face. I thought it was no, maybe no, no. I bumped into in the street or something. I did, no. and, I, and I read her story and she said, press this link to see more. And obviously I'm, 
at the moment I'm really into my textiles and my husband bought me a beautiful sewing machine so I'm I'm, I'm dabbling with that but I've always liked hand sewing taken from my mum to be honest and that was a good way for me as a self-meditation just to switch off yeah and this is where it got me going about the hearts I know crazy idea um, so what did you have to do? Basically, makes these hearts of kindness, and it's just a little oh, heart. I brought some with you. I brought some with you, with me, and it's basically a global kindness community. And the lady started by making hearts and giving them to people, and basically, it's to remind them that there is kindness everywhere. Oh, and that's if so I open, sweet. And I've got one for you as well. Oh, how kind. And for your family. Oh. And it basically says that this pocket heart has been lovingly handmade as part of 1,000 hearts to share and celebrate kindness. And basically, it's you keep it close and give it a squeeze when you need a reminder of love, hope, courage and comfort. So... Yes, that's so, so sweet. You can choose yours. That's in so a bit. sweet. So you've done a bunch of these. Yes. And what have you done with them all? Well, I started How in the summer holidays. How many have you done? Uh, to date, I have done four hundred and fifty. Oh my god, Elaine! <laughs> Gosh, and oh, look at them. They're beautiful. All hand sewn. All hand sewn. All hand sewn and hand cut. And oh my and so goodness! On. But it was it was just like a therapy for me in a way. I've, I've enjoyed and making you're them. You're right to sew with your hands. And there all that. are days that I have not been able to sew at all because the fibro has really hit me hard, and I haven't been able to do They're it. Really lovely. But I've persevered, and um, it's given me something to aim for as well so i set myself a target of a thousand hearts oh so you're still going i'm still going but i've taken the rest because christmas is coming up and i'm doing some handmade gifts and so on so i had to stop until the new year but basically i've That's launched really nice. um uh where i work at saint paul school we have an amazing kindness initiative which is led by our head teachers and other members of our team, our, our staff team. And every year group are doing different things with kindness and just taking it to the next level. And when um, I found out from this lady who did these hearts in Tasmania, um, she started giving them to different charities. Or she would very, she would actually do this quite a lot when she's out and about. She always has hearts with her and when she feels like it she'll just go up to somebody and just give, give it to somebody heart. just a, an act of kindness make somebody smile which i thought was really sweet from that this lady has organized and other people have caught on to this this basically movement i guess and they've organized group sessions where people get together and create the hearts together and then they collectively bring them all together and then give them to different charities. And they're not for selling. They're not for... Yeah, there's for, no money. I was going to say, no there's no... Money involved they're not raising funds or at awareness. All, at all, It's just raising Being kindness. kind. Being kind. Being kind. So I thought, I want to do this. I yes. thought, I'm going to set myself a challenge. So I've been able to give every child in St. Paul's a art. kindness heart. <gasps> oh but I've gosh. also been able to give the staff, the teaching staff... <coughs> Excuse me. The cleaners, the lunch supervisors, everybody involved oh. in the school. How special, <laughs> really special. Act of kindness. Um, 
it's been beautifully received. Yes, of course. Especially and from the children. More people should be like you. More people <laughs> should be kind. People are not kind. But the thing we is... We have these conversations on all the yes. different things I <coughs> Excuse me. work on, like City Pulse and things like that. And, and we, we talk about how people are not um, kind, so kind anymore mm -hmm. to each other. I mean... And it starts with the little ones, like in your it school. It does. And it's amazing because... It's so lovely to see, you know, we have kids from three years old coming into our school and we support them and we teach them yes. one of the values, which is kindness. I mean, we teach them resilience, we teach them patience, we teach them sharing and all yeah. sorts, but kindness is a really powerful one. And it's amazing that you're able to see it every day because it's it's embedded in our school ethos shall we say mm. and I thought well what can I do for the community I thought it was World Kindness Day actually last Saturday and I did an assembly with the school on the Friday last Friday actually and I introduced this and we spoke about our values bear we've got a little teddy bear with our values and one of them is kindness reception children had paid had made these beautiful rainbow pictures and given them out to people in Morrison's the other day um we were we decided as a big act of kindness we decided to raise some money for Jimmy Brusson and his well yes so we managed to do that as well as part of our kindness mm. initiative um we've had the choir go to the day daycare center because oh, you're Christmas part of the choir no, oh, no I'm not, Are you not? Of the choir, I, no. I thought you sang in the choir no, 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 okay no. I support them okay <laughs> Um, the children go and they sing to the daycare centre at Waterport okay. Terraces. So I thought, well, what can I do? It's very special. Well. So, so yeah. yeah, where else are you going with the hearts? Well, I've promised Medici 100 yeah. for the breast cancer yeah. awareness. Yeah, good idea. And she said that she was um, really happy to receive them. I've also got to get in touch with the dementia, with Buena Vista Centre, um, just because my mum passed away with dementia um last actually just before christmas last year um two years ago and um mm. dementia and alzheimer's is something which is very close to my heart anyway and i thought it'd be a nice thing to give yeah. to the people that work there as well as the patients there and from then on who knows whoever wants, well, whoever wants one whoever wants get in one, touch please. with elaine she'll be copied in all the socials <laughs> when i put this talk out um tell me something elaine uh what's ha what's next for you i mean with your fibromyalgia have you got any projects ahead what is your gosh how, how are you going to live the next well to be honest this has been a, a, a brilliant platform um michelle because it's I'm sure that there are sufferers, especially here in Jib as well, that it goes very unnoticed. It's not in the forefront of people's speaking points, shall we say. Um, I didn't know much about fibromyalgia until Mercy talked to me about it and, and, and told me her story. Um, I've done a, a lot of research and you can only get so much from the internet. Um, but it was also hard to convince... Um, it, it was quite hard to convince family members because they didn't know about it yeah so for me the way forward is this has been brilliant to get it out yes that's what you yes and basically to say spread that, the word spread the word and it's not you know you don't have to suffer in silence either i know it sounds like a cliche and it sounds really corny but um it is real 
Yeah. And, you know, yeah, I think... Yeah, the symptoms are very real. It's it's an opportunity, hopefully, that people get educated about it because mm. people go and say, oh, otra vez? Oh, you're ill again? And it's dismissive. Yeah. And, um, yes, I've developed a thick skin and I shouldn't, you know... Um, react to those kind of things but it is it can be hurtful of course especially to those that actually suffer from it Um, I wouldn't wish it on anyone no to be honest a way forward for me if anyone wants to chat about it I'm no Mm. expert at all but it's comforting not to talk to somebody who's going through a bit what you're it is and it's amazing how many people do yeah Um, because it it comes up in the conversation it's like oh my auntie has it or Mm. Oh, my, my dad has it. Mm. It's usually women that get it, but men are getting it too as well, are getting it too. Well, um, so it's actually nice to talk to like-minded people because they think, oh my gosh, somebody actually yeah. knows what... And understands. And understands what yeah. it's about. Well, I'm really glad that we had this conversation and that it's come out. <clears throat> and then Thank hopefully you. lots of people will listen. One last thing that I ask all my guests, who do you look up to? Oh my gosh. Who do I look up to? Yes. Oh, wow. That's really hard. Um, I'm not going to mention any names, but obviously, well, yeah, I will. Um, I look up to my dad. Yeah. Um, he is a kind of rock, I guess you could say. Um, my husband, definitely. Um. I'm not going to say any famous people or anything like that because um, two people that I really look up to and those are my girls. My girls are my rock. They really are. Um, They're very intuitive. They're very caring. They're very understanding. And they give me the strength to carry on. Um, Yeah, I'm very blessed to have two amazing girls and i can clearly say that yes i do look up to them oh i'm emotional (laughs) very emotional uh yeah see see, they are so thank you for sharing your story with me thank you michelle for having me and good luck with everything thank you and thank you for my heart thank you You've been listening to Women Rising, a series of talks where I've chatted to fabulous and inspirational women exclusively about their lives and their losses, their struggles and their successes, and their contribution to this world where they are empowering others and making a huge difference in our community. Thanks must go to my producer, Charlie Hurst, for putting this podcast together. Catch him at soundunit.co.uk. And a huge thank you also to Beatrice Garcia, who has designed and painted the podcast icon. She's at BeatriceGarcia.com. Should you like to advertise your business on my podcast, please get in touch and please like and rate the show on your favorite listening platform and comment also if you can. And should you want to get in touch with me, my email is rougejib at gmail.com.